Welcome to CTC, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. I'm Lynn Poindexter, and you're watching the 3B4. Next weekend, we will have the chance to meet and hear from Mark Webb, a bishop in the Global Methodist Church, at both campuses on July 29th and 30th. Bishop Webb will speak live at Bear at 6 p.m. Saturday and 9 a.m. Sunday, and live at Ellesmere at 11 a.m. on Sunday. He will speak by way of video at 11 a.m. at Bear. Make plans to join us for one of these services. Our next men's dinner is planned for Wednesday, August 2nd at 6 p.m. at Cheddar's on Churchman's Road in Newark, across from Christiana Hospital. Men from both campuses are encouraged to come and bring a friend with you. For more detail or to let us know you're coming, you can contact Kevin Sturgis at 302-824-5625. During our current message series, Acting Out, we are looking at ways we can each play the part that God has for us to further his kingdom. We've been learning about ordinary people that God has used to do extraordinary things for him. During the month of August, we will be issuing a casting call to let you know about ways you can serve through CTC. There will be printed material that you can take home with you as you prayerfully consider where God would have you serving. Then, as we move into September, you will have an opportunity to talk to ministry leaders to find out more. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our events by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. Now, let's get ready to worship. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Will you stand with us as we begin to worship today? When all I see is a battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you And if you are for me Who can be against me? Yeah. 
Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. does not belong to us, but it belongs to you. And so, God, today, whatever it is that we're fighting, whatever it is that we're facing, we know that you are more than able, more than strong enough to defeat our enemies. Because the weapons that we fight with are not carnal. They are not human. They are spiritual. In the Old Testament, the battle of Jehoshaphat, they sent the singers out They sent the band, they sent the worship team out before the battle to do spiritual warfare. You might think, well, those people aren't really all that spiritual, are they? I'm just kidding. But they went out and they sang a very simple song. It wasn't complicated. They sang, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. That's what spiritual warfare is about. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. 
And we make it complicated sometimes that we have these hoops to jump through or formulas to, to, to follow to defeat the enemy in spiritual warfare. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So God, today as we fight whatever the battles, that, whatever the battles are that are in our lives, we want to be on our knees with our hands lifted high, giving you the opportunity to win on our behalf. We do what you instruct us to do, and then you will do what it is that you do in our lives. Holy Spirit, move among us today, we pray. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, again, we want to welcome you to Christ the Cornerstone. If you're in the room with us in the building, uh, we welcome you. If you're worshiping with us online, thank you for joining us today. We pray that God will bless you right where you are, uh, whether you're watching us live or whether it's uh, on, a, on a broadcast, whether you're watching us several weeks from when, when the original broadcast was. We just pray that the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Lord would rest uh, on you right where you are. If you're new, uh, we want to extend a special welcome to you t- today and thank you for being with us. When you leave this room today, on the left-hand side as you leave, uh, on the left-hand side of the mall is our Connect Central. And we encourage you to stop by there, pick up a gift that we have for you. You'll have an opportunity to meet some folks from the church, find out about the ministries that we have going on uh, here at CTC, and find out about ways that you can get involved Uh, in those various ministries. If you're new and you're online, you can click the I'm new here button in the upper right-hand corner or the uh, I'm new here button that just most likely popped up in the chat window right where you're watching. At your seat, you have uh, connect cards that we ask you to fill out whenever you uh, worship with us. And so we want to encourage you to do that. Let us know you're here and let us know who's worshiping with you, as well as those of you that are worshiping online. There's that online connect card. You can also uh, communicate with us prayer needs uh, praise reports, anything that you have that you want us to, gr- to agree with you in prayer or rejoice uh, with you that God is doing in your life. And uh, as we say each week, we have groups that meet uh, throughout the week and uh, they pray over those needs. And we, uh, we want to have an opportunity uh, to agree with you in prayer on that. So, all right, will you do those things? All right, well, once again, welcome. And uh, Pastor Roger is coming now. That's what happens when Pastor Vaughn walks down the aisle and hands you a banana. What do I? <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Great to see you, and uh, glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. Thank you for being here online. Uh, if you're with us, Pastor Pastor Bill was saying, if you're if you're weeks down the road watching this, but I'm thinking, hey, some of you just might be at the beach today. So yay for watching us on the beach. And uh, what a beautiful day that God has given us today to gather together. And I'm so glad that you chose to be with us this morning. I'd like to take this opportunity. This is what I call a a stewardship moment. And and we look at the ways and and to just focus us as a church on what we're doing, why we're doing it, and how we do it. We are here to love God and to love all people so that all people may experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. That's the mission of Christ the Cornerstone. And if you're a member of our, uh, if you've made a commitment to be ministry partners with us, you've heard me say that. And I probably don't say that often enough. But there are three words that I do say very often, and that is love, serve, 
and engage. And those, that's our plan. That's our strategy for how we expect to fulfill our mission, to love God and to love all people so that all people may experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. So I take one of those words and I kind of focus on it. And today I want to focus on the word serving. And I want to say thank you to all of you who give of your time and, and your efforts. And I know that I'm always, I'm frequently giving you opportunities, but I'm not always saying thank you to those who have taken advantage and that you have served. And every weekend, many of you do serve. We've got people underneath the platform this morning in the second floor below us who are who are serving, we're grateful. We've got people that get here before I get here in the morning, and they're serving you. There are people who stay after. They are serving you, and I just want to thank you. Yesterday, we celebrated the life of, of one of our members. Her name was Gloria Cherry, beautiful uh, a woman who, who would come very quietly and worship with us, and then, and then she'd leave very quietly. And her family gathered, and, and some of us gathered yesterday. We had the room full uh, of, of people, and they gave a fabulous testimony of this, of this woman's life. And I heard things I had never heard before about Gloria. And, and I turned to Pastor Vaughn at the end of it. I said, Pastor Vaughn, do you know who they were talking about? <laughs> because Gloria was so quiet when she came here. And it is a beautiful thing to be part of the body of Christ so, so that we can celebrate your life together. And then afterwards, we had a beautiful dinner out in the mall area, served by many, many from our church. And I'm so grateful for the service that we are able to give to one another. I know we're the kind of church, we're, we're big enough that you don't know everybody who worships here. You don't know everybody that's part of Christ the Cornerstone. And that's okay. You've got to have your little section, your little part. And if you don't, it's not, it's not meaningful. Uh, but I'm so grateful for those who do serve. Now, having said thank you, I do have another opportunity for us to serve. <laughs> and, and it's represented on these little cards that are on a chair beside you or on, a, on your table. So I'd like you to take that. And I'd like you all to take your index finger and let me see it. Let me see your index finger. Come on. If you got one. Come on, Lawanda, mother-in-law. You can do what your son-in-law says. <laughs> and now second finger. We got these. A third finger. I see you're so stubborn, people. I ain't doing what he says. You got four, five. You got five over here. How about your toes? Some of us are, 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 can show our toes to the other. I, there's no way I'm going to show you my toes, and you don't want to see my toes. We got five fingers. We, these are digits. We use digits to count. If you've got more or less, ten fingers and ten toes, I need your help. As part of our disaffiliation process, 98% of us, right, something like that, voted. When we voted to disaffiliate, 98% of us said, let's disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. Now I need those same 98 people to act on your decision to disaffiliate. We have to count everything that is part of our property that we're taking with us. Uh, and so this little card gives you an opportunity to, to, to set, tell us that you are willing to come on August 5th or on August 12th or both days starting at 9 o'clock to help us count property. We have to go through every room. We have to inventory everything. So we're calling it Inventory Day. Woohoo! Yippee, you're so excited. This is the way Jesus called us to serve, uh, to serve him. And uh, so... 
please take that card. Fill it out if you're online and you obviously don't have a card. You can, you can send us an email. We'll get you the information or you can make a post and somebody will get you the information. But please take this card. Check out, check those dates. And when, you're, when, when you decide which of those days you're, you're willing to come and help us, drop it in the offering basket or in the, the, uh, the, the baskets that are by the doors. And we'll, we'll count the things that we have uh, in our possession that, that we're taking with us. But this is part of the disaffiliation process. It's part of the legal process that we have to go through in order to disaffiliate. So I'm asking you to act on your decision to disaffiliate and help us in this way. Uh, finally, you are generous with us, so let's just encourage let's just encourage one another with this uh, this stewardship uh, verse that we see uh, every week. Let's read this out loud together. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. I invite you to stand with me as we continue to worship God by giving him our voices, our bodies, lifting up our hands in praise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for hearing us call out to you every time we do. Thank you, God, for being present with us this morning. Whether we're in this room, whether we're watching online, whenever it is, God, where two or three are gathered, there you are with us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and refresh us right now. Fill our lungs with your breath, that we may sing and speak your praises, that we may hear you speaking to us as we hear your word this morning. Lord, we need encouragement, and we need to give ourselves in surrender to you. And we thank you for the life that you give to us. We praise you in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus So every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is power
name of Jesus is above every other name. So whatever it is that's going on in your life today that's bringing you down, 
The name of Jesus is above that. The name of Jesus is above the report that the doctor gave you. The name of Jesus is above what your bank account looks like. The name of Jesus is above your difficult situation on your job. The name of Jesus is above every difficult relationship that you want to see mended in your life. He's above that. He's more powerful than that. And when we speak his name, understand, it's like we were talking about a few minutes ago about this. There's no magic formula for spiritual warfare. We just speak the name of Jesus. Not in vain, but we just speak his name. And the power that is in that name overcomes every enemy in our lives. You might not see it immediately, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't give up speaking the name of Jesus over your children, over your job, over your household, over your school, over wherever it is that you are. Because his name is strong and mighty. And when we think about the majesty of Jesus and we think about all that he is in us and to us, sometimes it just makes us want to fall to our knees and worship. I want you to learn a new song with us today. Carolyn's going to lead us.
So when we fight, we fight on our knees with our hands lifted high. Paul in the New Testament, when he refers to his thorn in the flesh as we know it, he asks the Lord repeatedly to take it away from him. And I love what it says in the message paraphrase. It says something like this. It says, the messenger of Satan came to bring me down. When what he did, in fact, was drove me to my knees. Why? Because then I can't boast in anything that I can do. Because anything that I do, I do because Christ is in me. Anything that we do, we were talking about this last night, our, our team, and I was talking about it with my wife when we got home last night, about the fact that we don't do what we do up here without the anointing and the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And we don't live this life without Him, without the Holy Spirit coming alongside us. His glory and His majesty moving in us and through us. And when we think about that, sometimes it should just bring us to our knees. And we just lift our hands. And in gratitude, say hallelujah to the name of Jesus. Because folks, let's face it, sometimes that's all we have. That's all we can do is throw up our hands and sing hallelujah. Because that's all we have in our hearts. Because sometimes life is difficult. So God, today, we just want to bring worship to you. All my words fall short. I've got nothing new. How could I? I could sing these songs as I often do, but every song must end, and you never do. So I throw up my hands, praise you again and again.
acting out, playing our part in the family of God. Part of your part is gathering here to worship, so thank you for, for doing that. And I know I've said that already, but, but you are precious, not just to me, but you are precious to God, and it is beautiful in God's sight for His people to gather together. So thank you again for being here. We can't live life without vision. You're probably familiar with a verse that comes from, uh, you probably have most often heard it in the King James Version. It's a proverb from chapter 29, verse 18. And it says, see if you can fill fill in the rest of it, without vision, the people perish. Now, most often we hear that in in leadership training things, and and even non-Christians will quote that. Uh, verse from the Bible, not even knowing that it comes from the Bible. Isn't it wonderful that God's Word is so throughout this world that even those who don't know that they're quoting Scripture are quoting Scripture? That's God's work in this world. But it says, without vision, the people perish. And, and, and most leadership leader or, or leadership teacher or, or whatever has used that to say, if you're not clear about the vision of your life or your group or your organization or your family, it's not going to go in a good way. We've got to have vision in our lives. That's the King James Version, where there is no vision, the people perish. But I want to tell you that that's not the whole verse. So when we read Scripture, we want to make sure that we're reading the whole, the whole of Scripture. And that we're not, and we're not ending a sentence mid-sentence. But that's a great place. The rest of the verse says this. Well, let's start it again. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, you've heard me talk often that when we study Bible and we come to the word but... We need to pause and we need to see what two ideas are being contrasted. Because that's, that's what the word but means. It means that there's, here's one idea, but here's another idea. Why is the Scripture contrasting these two ideas? And what are these two ideas that are being contrasted? Let's read it again. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We'll put that on one side. But the contrasting thought is, but those... Who keep the law, whose law? Of course, this is the Bible speaking, so it would be God's law. Happy are those. So here on one side we have those without vision, but whose vision is it implied the people are supposed to be following? The law of God on this side. So how many times have you heard the full verse quoted? (laughs) Not very often. So next time you hear some leadership person say, where they're without vision, the people perish, you can say, yeah, but God has a plan and a purpose and a vision for our lives. And when we don't follow God's plan for us, then we will perish. That's what the Bible is teaching us. Let me read that verse in other translations. And in the New International Version, it says, where there is no revelation... People cast off restraint. That's a, big, that's, a, that's a big interpretive difference, isn't it? You might say, well, how, how can they get that from that? Well, it's because 
those, the, the scholars have looked back at the Hebrew language and they have understood, hey, we could interpret that this way and this way and this way. And we have to understand that when the King James Bible was written, he was writing it so that everybody in that day could understand the Word of God. Well, we don't speak everyday language with the king's language today. Now, Stephen and Debbie Scholes would wish we did. (laughs) But we don't. And so there's nothing wrong with translating a scripture into the language. In fact, that's what we do. That's what Jesus tells us to do. Go and tell them about me. But if we go and tell them in our language, how are people who don't know our language even going to know Jesus? So we've got to translate it. So those are the translators of the New International Version have said, where there is no revelation. And understand that, that, the, that this word, the vision, is a revelation. It's not just a vision that we come up with ourselves. It is a vision that has been revealed to us. From whom? From God. And yes, you and I can come up with our own human visions that we want. But, but, and that, that, that might fit with the vision that God has for us. But the greater vision, the general vision for our lives is that we follow the vision that God has for us. So today I'm asking us, are we following that vision that God has for us? And how do we know what that vision is for our lives? Well, I think we go back to this proverb. Those who commit themselves to the law of God, happy are they. Here's the, Pastor Bill mentioned uh, the, the message paraphrase of the Bible. And, and this is how uh, Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message paraphrase of the Bible, this is how he translated and, and paraphrases um, Proverbs 29:18. He says, "If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves." That's a, that's a, that's a great way to. Have you gotten to the point in your life where you realize that just the way you're trying to live your life without God by yourself, you just trip all over yourself? Or something else I have many, many times. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals, again, what are the core things that are being translated in all three of these translations? It's, it's the revelation. That revelation comes to us through the vision that God gives us. But when they attend to what He reveals, they are most blessed. We're, at, we're, we're looking at this in this series, acting out, playing our part in the kingdom of God. And today we're looking at the person of Ananias. Now, we, we were introduced to Ananias last week. And Ananias was was that person who God spoke to to give, bring healing to Saul, who we know became Paul, the great missionary and proclaimer of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, Savior of the whole world, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And Paul's whole ministry was to take it to the Gentiles. 
So let's look again at Ananias. And, and Ananias, we're looking again at Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. And it's the same story that we read last week, except we're going to focus in on just Ananias instead of looking at Saul. And Acts chapter 9, verse 10 says, Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in, what does it say? In a, in a vision. In a vision, he called out Ananias. And Ananias replied, Yes, Lord. That's, that is an appropriate response when the Lord calls to you. <laughs> Don't reject the Lord calling to you. Say, Yes, Lord. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. We talked about that last week. I have shown him a what? Vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. So both of them are receiving a vision from God. Now, what did we learn about vision from, from the, the, the proverb? That vision is a revelation from God. So both of these men have, ha, have received a revelation from God. The words they use to describe that revelation is vision. Verse 13 says, but Lord, <laughs> there's that but, right? And, and I love when God calls out to us, isn't our response often, but Lord, I don't want to do that. But Lord, it costs too much. But Lord, I don't know how. But Lord, I don't have the right education. But Lord, I'm a sinner. When God calls you, just listen. God. But Lord exclaimed Ananias, But Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. You know, have you ever said to God, God, you're an idiot. Ooh, those are harsh, harsh words. Ananias is saying, But God, you don't know what you're asking me to do. Let me say that again. But God, you don't know. There you go. Have you said that to God? Most likely. So, there's another but. If we're going to say but to God, God's going to say but to us. But, the Lord said, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to make my message to the to the Gentiles, to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went, and he found Saul. He laid his hands on him, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. And then he got up, and he was baptized. And afterward, he ate some food, and he regained his strength. 
Let's talk a little bit. Maybe we can learn some things about how and when vision comes to our lives. If I'm saying, all right, God, in giving us this Holy Spirit, and you remember at the beginning of this series, we, we talked about this entire series is dependent upon God giving His Holy Spirit to His people. So we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And every one of the characters, every one of the people that we're looking at are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is their experience being filled with the Holy Spirit. And today, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us or around us or, or, or is upon us, somehow we see visions. And, and the reason I said uh, in a minute, a minute ago, a second ago, Holy Spirit even being around us because Paul, Saul, was shown a vision even before he was filled with the Holy Spirit. But the, it is the Holy Spirit who gives us vision. So how does that happen and when does that happen in our lives? First of all, I want us to pay attention that God gives vision in God's timing. There are many times that we might say, God, show me what to do, and, and we might get ahead of God, and we might say, God, here's the vision that I have for my life. I think of Pastor Paul and, and the, the, the beautiful years of leadership he gave to this church, and, and how many times he said, yes, we, we make plans and God laughs. In other words, we can have a vision for our life, and God may say, okay, yeah, we'll see how that goes. We may even make a plan and God say, okay, yeah, okay, you go ahead and you go that way. But as we get walking down that, God may say, you know what? I'm going to put this in your way because you're not quite going the way I want you to go and you're not listening to me, so I'm just going to plunk this little barrier here in front of you so that you can get a clue what's going on. Follow my ways. We have to wait for God's timing in our lives. We have to wait for God's vision in our lives. Secondly, while we wait, we've got to be praying. So God's timing. Secondly, prayer is significant in receiving the vision from God. Why is prayer significant in receiving from God? Because prayer is the communication line between you and God. And if you want to understand and be ready to perceive the vision that God has for you, you've got to make some space in your life. You've got to make time in your life for listening to God. So be careful if your prayer time is only, God do this, 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 God do this. Amen. And you walk away. Stop. And quiet yourself. And, and you just might ask the question, God, is it your vision that you do all these things that I just told you to do? Am I going in the direction that you want me to go? Is there another way, God, that you have not yet revealed to me? And, and, and maybe if that's just two seconds... <laughs> that you give God to insert a new thought or a new idea. I was sitting at my desk this morning 
and I have this I have this book that I'm that, that I'm working through some things and I and I, and I just needed to, to to do one of the exercises that that was in that book and it makes a difference and I, and I felt myself okay, I want to do one of these things so let's let's get this book out and I'll do this thing and it tells me to, to write down these thoughts to write down, I got to hurry up and write these thoughts down I thought you can't hurry up and write these thoughts down you've got to give yourself time to reflect on these things Prayer is the same way. We've got to give ourselves time to listen to God. First, vision comes in God's timing. Secondly, we've got to have a time and a space for prayer in our lives so that we can hear what God is doing in us. The third thing I observe about these two, and notice that, I'll go back to prayer, notice that both Paul and Ananias are in moments of prayer when the vision comes to them. And I remember experiencing a vision in my life, and it's a vision that has stuck in my life for the last, what year are we in? Almost 35 years. I don't have time to tell you what the vision is. But it's a, it's a picture of what I, I, I understood God would be doing with my life. And, and that vision came to me at a moment when I was reflecting. I was, I was in prayer. I wasn't seeking God's vision. I was reflecting. I had been reading God's Word and I was just resting in what I had read. And all of a sudden, this image comes in my mind. So clear. That God says to me, Roger, this is what I'm going to do with your life. Is in prayer. Paul was fasting when the vision of Ananias came to him. Ananias was praying when the vision of Paul came to him. Prayer. And the third thing about vision, it often comes to us in times of difficulty, in times of stress, perhaps in times of desperation, or in times of danger or other critical times of transition in our lives. So what I'm saying in that and observing that, that vision comes to us at difficult times is don't run away from the difficult times. God is going to use that moment in your life to show you and to do something according to His law and His way, and His plan. One of the problems with addictions in our world, one of the problems with, with easy, easy pleasure in our world today is, is that we, we, we re- refuse to recognize the difficulty or the pain, and as soon as it gets a little bit painful, we run over here to this thing to numb the pain, or to escape the pain, or to get away from the pain. I'm not saying those things are bad or horrible. What I am saying is that we've got to recognize the reality of the critical situation that we are in in the moment. And we've got to give it to God and say, Lord, I need your help. We just sang it, this truth that I'm saying. You, Lord, your, this difficulty has brought me to my knees. So let it do that. In your life. God's timing, prayer, 
difficult. Don't run away from difficulty. And fourth, vision clarifies the direction that we are to go. And then we can walk in that pathway with confidence. Not just, not just because I've come up with a good idea, but because God has revealed to us what is right and good according to His law. Now, I keep saying the, the, the word law. And I want to remind us that what law are we talking about? God's law. Well, okay, there were a lot of laws. Which ones? We, we, we look at the Old Testament. There were 300, maybe 600, some different laws. I don't know. Which one are you talking about, Pastor? Let's go to Jesus. Let's let Jesus boil it down for us. And what did Jesus say God's law was? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might. And the second is equal to that, to love your neighbor as yourself. If, you, if you're stuck and you don't see the vision, go back to God's law and ask yourself, am I doing that? You know, the first one is love the Lord your God. And you think, oh, no, I'm not loving my neighbor. I'm not even loving my wife right now because I can't. Whoops. <laughs> Nothing, Carolyn. We can't love one another until first we love God. And we let God's love flow into and transform us. You've met people that can't love others because they don't love themselves. They're so angry with their own decisions that they're, they're, all that anger comes out on everybody else. You just don't want to be by somebody like that. And, and, and you see them coming at work. Oh, here comes so-and-so. Remember the, the, remember, so the, the, the movie The Devil Wears Prada? Stanley Tucci plays that, that part. When, 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 when the devil comes into the room, he goes through the office and, Gird your loins, people! <laughs> here comes so-and-so. We don't want to be around people like that. Love. Let God's love transform you so that you can love others. I want to go back to, let's go back to Ananias. Now, Saul, now Paul, many chapters after Ananias has healed his eyes, Paul has been following the vision that God has given to him. And Paul has been imprisoned in the city of Rome. And we get to Acts chapter 22, and now Paul is on trial for what he has done as a follower of Jesus. And in trial, Paul is describing to those, whoever, he, whoever is, is putting him on trial, he's explaining to them his life. And this is what Acts chapter 22 says about Ananias. Verse 12 of 22 says, A man named Ananias lived there in Damascus. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, and well regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. And he came and stood beside me. We all need somebody to come and stand beside us. And thank God for sending those people to us. He came and he was obedient to God and he stood beside me and he said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at that very moment, I could see him. And then he told me, wait a minute, 
Ananias had just met Paul. What's he going to tell him now? Ananias says, The God of your ancestors has chosen you to know His will and to see the righteous one and hear Him speak. For you are to be His witness, telling everyone what you have seen and what you have heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And Paul did. The vision that Ananias revealed to Paul clarified Paul's life. And the vision that God gives to us will clarify for us what God is asking us to do. Get up. Be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. I want to I read Joel, from the book of Joel, chapter 2. Remember, we're talking about getting a vision. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It's a poem. I just want you to hear it. I don't want you to watch it. Just listen. This is the Old Testament God revealing Himself through the prophet Joel to His people Israel. And through Joel, God says, Sound the trumpet in Jerusalem. Raise the alarm on my holy mountain. Let everyone fear in tremble, tremble in fear, because the day of the Lord is upon us. It is a day of darkness and gloom, a day of thick clouds and deep blackness. Suddenly, like a dawn, like dawn spreading across the mountains, a great and mighty army appeared. No, appears nothing like it has been seen before or ever will be seen again. Fire burns in front of that army and flames follow after them. Ahead of them lies lands as beautiful as the Garden of Eden and behind them is nothing but desolation and no one escapes. They look like horses. They charge forward like war horses. Look at them as they leap along the mountaintops. Listen to the noise they make like rumbling of chariots, like the roar of fire sweeping across a field of stubble or like a mighty army moving into battle. Fear grips all the people. Every face grows pale with terror. The attackers march like warriors and scale city walls like soldiers. The straightforward they march, never breaking rank. They never jostle each other. Each moves in exactly the right position. They break through the defenses without missing a step. They swarm over the city and run along its walls. They enter all the houses, climbing like thieves through the windows. The earth quakes as they advance and the heavens tremble. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars no longer shine. The Lord is at the head of the column. He leads them with a shout. This is His mighty army. And they follow His orders. The day of the Lord is an awesome, terrible thing. Who can possibly survive? That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in grief. Tear your hearts instead. And return to the Lord your God. Because He is merciful and compassionate. He is slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not to punish. Who knows, perhaps He will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of this curse. 
Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. Blow the ram's horn in Jerusalem. Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Gather all the people, the elders, the children, even the babies. Call the bridegroom from his quarters and let the bride from her private room. Let the priests who minister in the Lord's presence stand and weep between the entry room to the temple and the altar. Let them pray. Spare your people, O Lord. Don't let your possession become an object of mockery. Don't let them become a joke for unbelieving foreigners who say, Has the God of Israel left them? Then the Lord will pity His people that jealously guard the honor of His land. And the Lord will reply, I am sending you grain and new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy your needs. You will no longer be an object of mockery among the surrounding nations. I will drive away these armies from the north. I will send them into parched wastelands. Those in front will be driven into the Dead Sea and those at the rear into the Mediterranean. The stench of their rotting bodies will rise over the land. Surely the Lord has done great things. Don't be afraid, O land. Be glad now and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Don't be afraid, you animals of the field, for the wilderness pastures will soon be green. The trees will again be filled with fruit. Fig trees and grapevines will be loaded down once more. Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for the rain He sends demonstrates His faithfulness. Once more the autumn rains will come, as well as the rains of spring. The threshing floor will again be piled high with grain and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. The Lord says, I will give you back what you lost to the swarming locusts, the hopping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the cunning locusts. It was I who sent these this great destroying army against you. And once again, you will have all the food you want and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God, that there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. And after doing all these things, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days I will pour out my Spirit on servants, men and women alike. I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark red. The moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors. Lord has called. Are you giving yourself time to pray, to wait for God's timing? Are you taking advantage of the opportunities that God has in your life to show, reveal His vision to you? Are you open to, to receiving God's vision? Jesus died, Jesus rose to forgive us our sins as, as Ananias said to Paul, get up. 
be baptized. Have your sins washed away. The old is gone. The new has come. Assess your life. Assess your week. Assess your day. Are you in need? Are you in danger? Are you in a critical transition in your life? Are you lost? Are you out of focus? Have you lost your sense of purpose? Seek the Lord in prayer. Confess your sin. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to guide you, to show you His plan for your life. And then trust and obey His way for you. I invite you to stand together if you're online and you want to you know, submit a prayer to, to someone uh, who's hosting online. I invite you to do that. But let's take a time of prayer this morning and let God speak to us as the team comes and leads us in song. I don't know what you need to do to pray. I invite you to come and if you want to choose here and pray alone by yourself, that would be alone. <laughs> Come, you can kneel or stand here at the platform. If you prefer somebody to pray with you, maybe you don't know what to pray for. You just, just sense, I need to pray, but I don't know how. And just go to one of the prayer stations in the back of the room. They'll be glad to listen to God and pray for you and pray with you. Let's take time as we sing to pray. Heavenly Father, you are glorious. You love us. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glorious standard that you have for us to love you with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. We fail to love our neighbors as ourselves. In other words, God, we've lost the vision that you have for our lives. Restore it to us, O oh God. Thank you for even this scripture from the Old Testament, from the book of Joel that reveals that your, your mighty army is marching against us. Now is the day to turn around and to trust in you. Let us not hesitate. Let us not wait. Open ourselves to your cleansing blood of Jesus Christ who forgives all of our sins. And then, Holy Spirit, come and reveal yourself to us the vision that you have for each of us. Thank you, God, for not letting us live life alone without direction. Would you bring us peace and vision? hear our prayers this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can't go back to the beginning Can't control what tomorrow will bring, but I know here in the middle is the place where you promise to be.
we are not enough without you. So the part that you've called us to play in the kingdom of God requires that you be with us here and everywhere that we go every day of our lives. So God, as we go today, we pray that your Holy Spirit would go with us. Remind us that when we fight, we fight on our knees. That when we experience your majesty, that sometimes drives us to our knees. But God, when we are on our knees, I believe it's when we are most focused on you and hearing from you and seeing the vision, receiving the calling that you have for us. So Holy Spirit, go with us today. Remind us of these words that we've heard. If we need to, we can go back and listen to them again. And again and again until we see it, until we begin to experience the fullness of your Holy Spirit in our lives, calling us to a place of service. We thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us. The altar is still open for prayer. There's folks still at the prayer stations. If you're online and you need prayer, there's still some folks that can meet with you for several more minutes. Please, if you need prayer today, Don't leave until you make that happen. God bless you.